Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. Well, this morning, open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 13. Uh, As Jared mentioned earlier, we're going to be looking at uh, what serving is in the Christian life. And he pretty much said it. I was thinking, well, Jared, that's the sermon right there, you know, because we love God and want to glorify God. So we can all go out and uh, make our reservations for lunch that all the men made for their wives, right? They're like, you know, this morning as we came in, speaking of Valentine's, you should have saw the line of men outside of C's Candy this morning. <laughs> it was funny. I was like, whoa, you talk about last minute. Anyways, um, so just a little sidetrack there, sorry. So um, John, John chapter 13, we're going to be in there. We're going to look at uh, what serving is in the Christian life as we go through this series and really focus on, hey, what does it mean to be a Christian as we've talked about different areas and how does it kind of like play out in everyday life? What are we as Christians to be doing in this world, right? It's not just about learning about God, which is one aspect, but it's going out and being about the Father's business. And so we're going to look at that this morning and as Jared said, in the context specifically within the church body. So it kind of goes with last week a little bit as we talked about the importance of church attendance. So, so good to see uh, so many people here this morning. Uh, but also, well, what do, we, what, is, what do we do while we're here? So we're going to focus on that. So let's start with this. What does it mean when we say serve? What does the word serve mean? In the New Testament, the Greek word for serve is diakonos. And it me- its meaning is an attendant or to wait upon. So a a good description is this, someone who carries out or the one who executes the orders of another or attends to somebody's needs. So think of a waiter in a restaurant. They are a diakonos. They are the server. They're waiting upon you and giving you what you need, especially if they're a tentative waiter, right? They know what you want before you ask for it. Or think of just an attendant, maybe in a hotel that waits upon you at the front desk and gives you what you need. That's what we're talking about when we use the word serve. And as you could tell by that Greek word diakonos, it's where we get our word deacon. So the position of deacon within the church is somebody that serves. That word is also used of ministers like myself, somebody who ministers in the church. So I serve the church, specifically myself, by proclaiming the gospel and teaching God's word. So I serve up God's word to the congregation. That's what a minister does. So Jesus gives us the greatest example of service in John 13. So hopefully you're there now. And he's really speaking, well, he's speaking to his disciples. And the point, the main point of this section is service. So let's read it. We'll read through verses 1 through 17 And then we're really going to spring from here to talk about service. But let's read it. Now before the feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
So it kind of sets the scene. Obviously, this is before Jesus goes to the cross. And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garment and taking a bowl, he girded himself about. So we have the picture of Jesus leaving the table and he's going to do something for his disciples. And it says, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he girded. And so he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? So this is Simon Peter going, Lord, that's kind of beneath you, right? This is the role of a servant to wash my feet. And look at what Jesus says to him. Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you shall understand hereafter. So it wasn't literally about washing his feet. He was teaching him a lesson and not only him, all the disciples, and by extension, he's going to teach you and I this morning the same lesson. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Right? If he, Jesus says, You don't have any part of me unless I wash your feet. Peter's like, Well, then wash all of me. Wash my hands, wash my head. He wants to have part or be part with the Lord. And Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. So that's John's commentary on Jesus' statement that, hey, only the 11 of the 12 disciples were truly disciples. And so, when he had washed their feet he had, and, ta and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? So here's the lesson. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord, and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also follow and do as I did. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, neither is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So what is the lesson here? His lesson is on service, on serving one another. It's not about being in charge or, hey, I'm a disciple, so I don't do these things. No, he's saying you are to be servants one to another. And one example of that is washing feet. So we're going to have a foot washing service right now. Don't laugh. I'm <laughs> Who wants to wash feet this morning? That's not the point. So don't, you're like, I'm out of here. Why did you invite me to church today? I'm out of here. No, that's not what we're talking We're talking about serving one another. Jesus gives a perfect example. If it means washing feet, Jesus says, I do it. And if I do it and I'm your teacher and I'm your Lord, then you should be willing to do it as well. You should be willing to serve one another, right, within the congregation. And he tells them, when you understand this at the very end of verse 17, right, you understand this point, you will be blessed in following my example. 
There's a blessing in serving one another. I like what uh, Pastor Rick Warren says. He has this quote. He says, the only way you can serve God is by serving other people. This is what Jesus was saying in essence. If you're, you're calling me teacher and Lord, then you should be willing to serve other people. Right? You don't just call me uh, uh, Lord and teacher and sit back and relax and take it all in and people serve you. No, you serve other people. And so that's what service means. And so this morning we're going to look at what that means and how that plays out in the Christian life. And we're going to begin by, saying, by answering this question, why do we serve anyways? I and mean, we could easily say, well, Jesus just told us to do that. And that is true. But why we serve also has blessings within them. So when I say why we serve and I, I, issue, or I show you some points, know also these are the uh, benefits of service as well. So why do we serve? The first one is this. And this should be uh, number one for all that we do as believers. is to bring glory to God. That's why we serve one another. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And then look at what he says. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works or your good works of service, right? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. The reason we serve is that so we can bring glory to God. All that we do, especially within the context of the church, we want it to bring glory to God. We don't do it or we shouldn't have the aim of doing it so that we can bring glory to ourselves, right? Whatever, whatever it is or however it is you serve within the church, or if you're thinking about serving within the church, maybe you don't at the moment, it shouldn't be so people can say, wow, you're such a great diakonos, a great server, right? That's not the point. If that's the point, then we have the wrong heart. So when people are up here worshiping, you know, leading us in worship, or I myself, one of the pastors is teaching, our goal is to not say, hey, look at how great we are, but we're trying to say, look at how great the Lord is. We want all that we do to bring honor to the Lord. So in whatever area you serve in the church, again, you should have the glory of God in the forefront of your mind. I like what Peter says in 1 Peter 4.11 about this. He says, whoever speaks, and he's talking about service, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, this is covering every other aspect, is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that, this is a result, in all things, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. He's saying, whatever you do, if you're speaking for the Lord, like, like me up here, or someone that's teaching, we're saying we're speaking for the Lord, right? We need to do it as if God is truly speaking, so we glorify Him in all that we say. We really, if you're a teacher in any capacity within the church, Know that you're claiming to speak for God, so you better be speaking correctly for the Lord. That's a heavy burden to carry, which is why one of the apostles, I think it's Paul, says, don't let everyone desire to be a teacher because their judgment is stricter. Because kind of like they know better. 
So whatever you do within the church, do it for the glory of God. Whatever service you offer, whether it's you know, greeting outside or serving the children's ministry or in prayer or encouraging one another, leading worship, playing an instrument, do it with the thought of the forefront of in your minds, like, I want to glorify God with this. And so we serve. Why do we serve others? Is to bring glory to God. So that's number one. There's a second reason why we serve God. It edifies others. It edifies others. And we, we mentioned this last week as we talked about in the book of Ephesians. And so you could turn to the book of Ephesians now. In Ephesians chapter 4, specifically, we're going to touch on, I'm going to read 11 through 16 just so you get a good understanding. But we're really going to focus, I think, on the verses 11 and 12. So when we think about edifying others, we're going to talk about two different areas, how we edify others. One within the church, and then two outside the church. So let's start with inside the church first. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes, and he's talking about the structure of church. He says this in verse 11. I'm going to find Here we go. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So he's talking about the Lord has given the church certain people with gifts to serve, right? And they're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then he says, for, he gives you the reason why he gave these people to the church. And it's for this, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. So the reason the Lord gave certain people gifts within the church is to help mature the faith of our brothers and sisters. That's why we serve. right? So whatever aspect it is you serve within the church or you're thinking of serving in the church, one, we want to do it for the glory of God, but two, we also want to do it for the benefit of our brothers and sisters. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, about building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, he says, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him. That's the maturity who is, in, who is head, who is the head, even Christ. For whom the whole body fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself. Again, we work and serve within a church to help each other grow so that, so that our church is functioning properly. Right? The saints, meaning you and I within the church, are equipped for service to build up the church. We serve one another so that we can help one another mature, to grow up and not be like infant children that always stay infant. So that's why in verses 14 and 16, he continues to say that not only do you grow up in your maturity of the faith, part of maturing, I should say, is that you're not misled 
by false doctrine within the church and outside the church because you know what it means to follow God. You know what the gospel is. You know the truth of God's word. That's why on a weekly basis we go through God's word and teach you guys God's word so that you understand what God has said, what God desires the church to know. And we encourage you on a daily basis to read God's word so that you grow in your faith. And we have Bible studies to encourage you to grow in your faith. And hopefully you have conversations with one another to encourage each other to grow in your faith. That's why you cannot be in isolation, which I talked about last week. You cannot say, well, you can say I'm a Christian, and, but you don't go to church, and you don't engage with the church, but you're not growing as you should. You're supposed to be a part of the church. We're one body. We all have a part to play. And, and turn with me now to 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll point this part out about how we all have a part to play within church. And I would encourage you on your own to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 12, and as you'll see later, Romans 12, that really um, dives into more than I'm going to talk about. I'm going to touch certain aspects of it. So in 1 Corinthians 12, Starting, go to verse, uh, let's start in verse 14. And, and the, the context here is about spiritual gifts, about using your gifts and desiring spiritual gifts within the church. And so the Apostle Paul writes to the church. He says, for the body is not one member, but many. So he, he starts off by saying, the, he's talking about the body of Christ. Let's just say Renaissance. Let's just put our name in there. Renaissance right, is not one member, but many, right? One person doesn't make up the Church of Renaissance Christian Church. You all who call yourself a part of this church make up the body of Renaissance Church. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. So he's using, obviously, to get them to understand, picture a body, right? If somebody says, well, I don't do that aspect in the church, I'm not part of the church, he's saying, no, that's not true, because the ear and the eye are no less a part of the body than another part. They're all needed for the body to operate properly. And so he's using the example of a body here. And look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, would there be the hearing, or where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? So, again, he's showing the church that there's a difference, that we all have a different part. We can't all be up here on stage worshiping. We can't all be teachers. We can't all be working the media. We can't all be a certain part within the church. We need everybody working together. And this is what he says, going on in verse 18. He says, But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. So this speaks to that God has given each of us gifts and placed us in different areas within the church as he desires. And verse 19 says, And if, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. He closes that section out by repeating what he said in verse 14. Although we are many members within this church, we are one body, and we need each 
member of that body operating correctly so that we can edify one another. That's his point. We all have our part to play. We cannot say, well, since I'm not teaching on Sunday mornings, I'm not part of the body. Or since I'm not on the worship team, I'm not part of the body. No, we each have our gifts. We each have our area to be plugged into the church. And that's one of the sad things about what's been going on over the last year with COVID is, unfortunately, like for our children's ministry, a lot of our children's ministry people are, you know, need to stay home. So we don't have a children's ministry right now. That, punk, that function of our church is not operating properly. You know, so my son has to sit in here and listen to his dad preach every Sunday instead of being out on the playground. But there's different areas, right? We can all think of, you could think of ministries that maybe aren't operating right now because of what's going on. And it's not really, you know, our fault. It's not our fault per se, you know, but we have, just have to be careful. We can't have some of our older saints in there and being exposed. So we try to be careful, you know. So that's just an example, right? You can, and you, maybe you've even been in a church and thought, man, they don't have this ministry or they don't have that ministry. Maybe somebody hasn't stepped up to start that ministry. It's not always up to the pastor to run every ministry, and you don't want them to run every ministry. You don't want me singing up here on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Thank you. It reminds me of a couple weekends ago, uh, we, were, we were out, and there was a, a church setting up in an empty lot on a Sunday morning, and I went over there, and we talked to the, the man that was doing it, and he was the pastor. He was having an outreach. And he was the only one there. He was setting up. He was playing the music. He, I go, hey, do you have a worship team? He's like, that's me. He was the worship team. He was the preacher. He was the one setting up the chairs. And he was, they had a service in the morning. And it was, I think, like noon because it was after church. And he was going to sit there and watch the parking lot and watch his gear until 4 o'clock when they had a second service. That church isn't operating properly. There should be somebody else helping that pastor. The, the responsibility, even though he's the head of the church, shouldn't fall on him. That's not his gifting, but he's doing it. We need The point being, we need everybody operating. You need to be fully functional and operating properly as a church to edify the church, to build up the church so that we can become mature believers in Christ. So, along those lines about edifying church, we also serve, not only within the church, but we need to serve outside the church. Right? We need to meet the needs of the world outside. Right? God will give us a heart of compassion to do that. There are many needs outside the church. There's many things going on outside the church, and maybe even people in your own lives that need help. And Jesus teaches us, that we must meet the needs of those who suffer. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, and I'll show you this. Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40. We'll touch on this section. Matthew 25, start in verse 34. Jesus speaking about really judgment day. When men and women stand before God, look at what he says. 
Um, yeah, 34. Here we go. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right. So the picture is the people standing before God on judgment day. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So he's talking about all these areas of people in suffering and in need, and how these people that are standing before him helped them. Right? And, he's, and he's referring to himself like, you helped me, like I was in prison, I was naked, I was thirsty, I was hungry. And so look at what the righteous say in verse 37. The righteous, then the righteous answered him and said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? They're saying, Lord, we never saw you in this condition. We never did that. Look at what he says in verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. He's saying, because you helped a fellow human being, it was like you did it to me. Because those are God's children. God's children are suffering all over the world. And it is incumbent on the church and you and me also to help when we can. And I'll talk a little bit more about that because that can be a daunting task. But the world should never point to the church and say, you guys don't help anybody outside. And sometimes they do and they're well within their right to say that we don't help sometimes those who are suffering, who are in need. Right? There's, there needs to be a balance and we should be on the forefront of helping those people when they suffer. And praise God that we have great organizations like Samaritan's Purse and World's Vision and even those that were started as Christian organizations, the Salvation Army and Red Cross that are trying to help in need. But we as a church as well should also reach out and help as much as we can. So that's the way that we help those outside the church. James the Apostle says, Pure and unfiled religion in the sight of God and, and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The, the point I want to make on that verse is they're helping orphans, those that need widows, and those in, in the, when they're in their distress, we should be the ones helping them. Right? God blesses each of us with talents and worldly goods so that we might glorify Him and edify others. Right? You have gifts and talents, you have finances and resources and maybe even time. We should be using all those things to glorify God and to edify others. Again, God uses our service uh, to impart grace to others, especially the household of God right, within our fellowship. So, so we should start within the church and then take it outside the walls of the church. And so why do we serve God again? To glorify God? to edify others. And guess what? There's a third reason why we do it. And then also it's a benefit, as I mentioned at the beginning. These are benefits as well. To grow in our own faith. To grow in our own faith is the third point. 
You see, serving in the church is good not only for other people, but you'll notice it helps you as well. There's some benefits for you. And the first benefit I want to point out can be found in Romans chapter 12. So turn there with me. And this is that other chapter I told you guys to read on your own. With first, and it's easy to remember. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. So we're going to be in Romans 12, starting in verse 10. So the reason we serve is to grow in our own faith. And, and let me read this in, in its entirety from verses 10 through 18 and then point out a couple things from this on how we grow as individuals in our own faith by serving. Starting verse 10, after he lists a bunch of the gifts, he says, Be devoted to one another. This is in the confines of the church. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another. Not, uh, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, preserving in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind together one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You know, a lot of times, if you notice, we hear those verses, and we think it's talking about people outside the church. But Paul's saying inside the church. That's an eye-opener. Like, be at peace with all men as much as possible inside of the church. That's interesting to note. And it also says, bless those who persecute you. Because honestly, sometimes we can be persecuted by our own brothers and sisters in the church. Are we supposed to retaliate back against them? No. It says, bless them. So, the main, I just sorry, got sidetracked there. So to grow our faith, as we look at this in context, what's he talking about? We need to grow in our loves for others. That's why we rejoice with them and we pray with them and we're hospitable to them and we respect them. So part of when you get involved in serving in the church is you begin to love the people that you are serving. You begin to get a heart for them and desire them to see them again and see how you can impart some gift to them. That helps you grow. And that's why we're called to do it, to grow in our own faith. Not only that, we grow in our selflessness, right? We learn to put other needs, other people's needs before our own. That's what it says in verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. So as you're serving somebody, you're putting their needs above your own. And you're learning to do that on a consistent basis. It's not all about you. If you want to... If you want to cure selfishness, go and serve somebody. And get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on the people that you're serving. And God will work in your heart and soften your heart as you serve. And I want to point out the opposite of this because the, the Apostle John points out that if, if we don't love our brothers and sisters in the Lord, 
we might not truly understand what it means to love God. He, he gives this stern warning in 1 John 4, verses 20 through 21. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. We're called to love one another. If you can't stand your brothers and sisters in this church, you need to check yourself. You need to ask God to speak to you, to open your eyes, to soften your heart. We are not perfect people in this church, and I don't know anybody that claims to be. I'm not perfect, and I'm sure you would say I'm not, you're not perfect either. Right? And we step on each other and hurt each other's feelings and sometimes say wrong things to each other and offend one another. But what are we called to do? To love one another, forgive one another, be involved in each other's life. Again, it goes to last week's message. You cannot do that in isolation if you're not part of a church. You're called to do it within the church, not just your own family and your own friends outside of a church. You're to be a part of a church and serve in the church so you can glorify God, edify your brothers and sisters, Glorify God outside of the church and grow in your own faith. You're missing out on those blessings if you're not serving within the church. Thirdly, to grow in our faith, we need to grow. When we're serving, we grow in our trust of the Lord. How many times have you been involved in service and you're like, Lord, I'm just trusting you for this because I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. Right? I never done this before, or I've done this many times, but I'm struggling with it, or, you know, help me to serve that person because they're really getting on my nerves, or whatever the case may be, right? Or, you know, if you're in children's ministry, you're like, that one kid, I won't say that one kid's name, you all know, no, just kidding, that one kid really is always bugging me, he's always interrupting class, Whatever the case may be, you, you depend on the Lord, right? Even me as a teacher, I'm like, I'm like, Lord, I have no clue what this text means. I'll be on Saturday night going, oh my gosh, I'm, what am I going to say tomorrow? As the media team's waiting for the notes, texting me, are you going to send those notes over? Or emailing me, they've done that before. Right, when you serve God, you tr- you're like, I need help, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help to get through this. And also when you serve, you go in your faith because you begin to discover your gifts. Sometimes you serve and you're like, hey, this is not my gifting, and so I'm glad I discovered that. Right? Sometimes you just have to get out there and try it, and you'll discover the gifts that God has given you. And fifthly, in growing in your faith, we learn to overcome trials. Right? We learn to deal with problems. So that causes us to grow as well. If you're not involved, then you don't, get to learn how to grow. You don't get to learn how to get through hard times and work through problems, right? You're not going to learn unless you go out and try it and do it. I remember as a young kid before they had um, the internet, you know, my son would be like, dude, how old are you? You know, when I would ask my mom how to spell something, now we say Google it, right? Just Google it. What do you think my mom said? Get, look it up. Get a dictionary. So you get that big family dictionary out. <laughs> yeah, and look it up. But you don't learn unless you get in. The point is you have to get in there and look. 
If she just told me all the time, I would never learn. Same thing with serving. Unless you get out there and serve, you will never learn how to overcome trials. So, why do we serve? Those three points. We serve to bring glory to God. We serve to edify others. And lastly, we serve to grow in our faith. So let's close with these final points. How do we serve others then? So we know what it is. We know why we do it. But now the practical thing, how do we do it? Right? Jesus left us the example of serving in John 13. showed us that we need to do it. But how do we do it? I'm going to give you just one, four, four points that you could take home with you. Maybe five. Let's see. Let me check my notes. Okay, oh, just four. I'm good. All right, so how do we serve? Number one, find a ministry in your church. I mean, you, you have to go out and do it, right? You have to find a need within the church. Right? How many of you have seen robots? Was it a Disney movie, DreamWorks? What does Big, Big Weld say? Find a need. Fill a need. Thank you. <laughs> Find a need. Fill a need, right, within your church. We have many needs within the church. Maybe you don't know about it. But you know what? I do. Pastor John, Pastor Jared, Pastor John, we know a bunch of needs. So if you really want to serve, just come talk to us. Right? Maybe you don't know that there's a need within the church, but find it. Find a need, fill a need. Find a ministry in your church. Galatians 6.10 says this, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who, who are in the household of faith. It begins at the church, right? Everything begins in the home, and in the home church, Right? Going back to our text in Romans 12, let me just give you some examples of ministries within the church. Romans 12, look at verses 4 through 8. He says this, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And he says this, And since we have gifts that differ, right? Each of us have different gifts. And it's according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. We're to exercise the gifts that God has given us. And here's just a small list of some of those gifts. If prophecy, according to the proportions of his faith, if service in his service, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Those are just some of them. Right? You're like, giving is a gift. Yes, some people are blessed in giving. You might know those people. They're always giving things away, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's just things they want to bless people with. Some people have a gift of doing that. Some people have a gift of exhortation. They're always exhorting you and encouraging you. Some people have a gift of just service. They're always going about serving. And when you think of them, you think of service. Those are just some gifts. They're not always gifts that we see. Some people have the gift of praying. And they pray really well. I've been in prayer meetings where some of the people are praying. I'm like, man, I wish I could pray like that. It just sounds so eloquent and really cool. And they just know how to pray about certain things. 
so specifically. I always get to the point and just pray it out, and I feel like, man, that's, did God even hear that prayer? I'm sure he did. But the point is that there's needs within the ministry, and you need to find them, and those are just some of them. So find a ministry in need, and not only that, it should sound a little interesting, right? You don't want to be like, just find some ministry that need, but you have no interest in it. That's okay. You, you should be interested in doing it. But find it and just go for it. And you'll find out shortly and quickly if, you're, if you have that gift. Kind of like me. If I was to lead the next worship song, we'd be like, hey, Robert, we appreciate the effort, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's not your gift. So how do we serve? You've got to find a ministry within the church and serve. Number two, serve with your whole heart. And that's what Romans 12, 6 through 8 is kind of describing. As he's describing each gift, he's like, if you teach in your teaching, if you exhort in your exhortation, all those things. And then in verse 10, he says, or verse, uh, yeah, verse 10, be devoted to one another in brother love. Give it everything you got. Don't do it half-heartedly. Right? Remember, you're doing it for the Lord, first of all. And we're, call, and we're called to do all things for the Lord with everything that we have. And then you're also doing it for other people. So find that ministry that sounds interesting that you kind of would like to do and just go for it and serve with your whole heart. Put everything you got into it and watch what the Lord does. Thirdly, trust the Lord to work through you. Again, you just have to trust God that He's going to use you. Right? There's a lot of times when I teach and someone goes, Hey, how did it go? I'm like, I don't know. I hope the Lord did something, you know. You never know, you know. And people might say, hey, good sermon, and they might just be being nice. You just got to, you're like, you know what, I just trust the Lord. And a lot of times I'll be up here and think, man, that really stunk. And someone will just say, you know, that was really good. The Lord spoke to me. And then when I think, when the times I think it was really good, it's just like crickets. I'm like, wow. I'm just going to trust the Lord that it was, that it was good. You know, the Lord's going to, as long as I'm reading God's word, he'll use that. He might not use the things I said, but if I read his word, he's going to use it. And so you'll see that when you serve the Lord, you know, I'm just trusting the Lord that he's going to do something. And don't worry about the results. Just leave it up to the Lord. So I would just remind you of that. You, sometimes, you know what? You never know who you touched. You, and you may never hear about it until you get to heaven. You know that, hey, you know what? You touched me when, you know, back when so-and-so and you did this. I'm like, wow. I mean, think of the people that served you in your life who probably never know the impact that they made on you. It'd be nice to tell them if you still have the opportunity to do that. But again, the point being is how do we serve? We're just going to trust the Lord. I'm going to serve God faithfully to the best of my ability and trust that he's going to use it. And finally, I want to touch on the aspect of outside the church because sometimes this can be daunting and sometimes it can be convicting and people can even use it against us as Christians. But we should find ways to serve the needy in the world. That's the fourth and final point. Find ways to serve the needy in the world. And let me just give you a couple of points of, of just warning or maybe like a list of like, should I be serving in this area? I would say one way to do it is find a Christian organization, right? Maybe sometimes you can't help, you know, but find a Christian organization and give to that organization, and, and you're going to get the fruits of that by seeing them serve other people. You know, whether, again, or it's World Vision or Samaritan's Purse, and I'm sure there's others, 
They serve and they go across the world and serve in areas that you can't make it. But your financial giving allows them to do so much. Secondly, what about those in your sphere of influence that you run into on a daily basis? There's many needy people in our lives, right? And so that's the hard part because you're wondering, are they really in need? Are they just lazy? Are they taking advantage of me? I mean, we live, we're very skeptical when somebody has a need, aren't we? And they can use it. Well, hey, you're a Christian. You're supposed to give and help everybody. Well, yes and no. Because guess what? We can't do everything for everybody all the time. That is not good. We can't keep supplying somebody. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And so if we keep supplying somebody that's not working uh, and they're able to, then they're, you know, they're just never going to go work because you keep helping them out. Why would they go work? Right? Matter of fact, help them find work would be a better thing to do. Right? And sometimes it gets overwhelming because I know my wife goes through this and, and she you know, gives to one of the organizations where they help little kids and you like look at it and like, you just want to help all of them, but you know, say, hey, we got three kids of our own that we need to help. We got to make sure we have, provide for them too. We can't just give to everybody. I mean, maybe we can. Maybe that's the wrong spirit for me, but um, that, that's a, on my heart, I guess. You know? But the point is, you can't do everything for everybody. We can only give as much as God gives us. And so in saying that, I'm saying is use wisdom. Use wisdom out there when you help people, help family members and friends, you know. Use wisdom. Jesus himself said to his disciples, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Right? We don't just give. That's why I said you don't just give to everybody everything all the time. You need to use wisdom. And sometimes we have to say no to certain things, right? We have to take care of the household of God first and our own families and then those outside as well. But we should be doing something. But don't get overwhelmed thinking that you have to do everything for everybody all the time. We need to use wisdom. So I hope that helps in your understanding about serving. And, and like we always say, these aren't exhaustive studies on the aspect of serving, but I hope it gives you a desire this morning to to get involved in church. Again, we have a lot of needs within the church. We have a lot of people that do more than one thing within the church just because it needs to be done. And, and so if you're not involved and this is your home church and you're looking for something to do, I would encourage you to, to see one of the pastors and, and we'll try to get you plugged in. You know, until then, pray about it and ask where God would want you to serve within your church. And then also, let's, let's glorify God outside the church. Let's cause people outside the church to want to glorify God by our service as we're witnesses for Him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you once again for this morning. Thank you once again for this great opportunity to worship you, to serve you within this church. And I pray this morning that you would put it upon our hearts in areas that we can serve this church and where we can serve outside of this church. You've given each and every one of us gifts of some sort. And you've given them to us, not for ourselves, but for your glorification and for the church's edification. So I pray that you would help us to use them for those purposes. And we thank you this morning for your love towards us and for the gifts that you've given us. May we and our church be known for our service. And we pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.